Welcome to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, the number one podcast for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks and home to the top-rated guidebook of the same name. And I am your author as well as your host for this and all the other podcasts, Teddy Garland. And this podcast is an introductory podcast to explore Yellowstone like a local. I kind of want to give you guys the skinny on the guidebook and how it works and kind of give you guys a little history of my mine and my family's time up in the Yellowstone area and kind of how this started and uh, how the guidebook works for you guys to help you guys save time and money. And uh, so I thought I would do a podcast just for those of you that are kind of thinking about, should I buy a guidebook? Should I listen to all the podcasts? And I'm going to kind of explain how everything works in this podcast. So you guys can uh, kind of make a decision on your own after you listen to this one podcast, if you want to keep going and get a guidebook and all that stuff. So anyway, I threw in a little uh, Led Zeppelin there at the start of that. And that song leads to a story here in a minute. And I love to tell stories about Yellowstone Park and all that stuff. And uh, these podcasts are filled with stories that are too, simply too lengthy to put in the guidebook, and uh, the guidebook kind of is the is the cake for your Yellowstone vacation. These podcasts are a little icing on the cake, and you kind of grasp that as you guys uh, kind of roll along through these podcasts and after you get the guidebook and everything. But that song is "Going to California" by Led Zeppelin, and hope I hope Robert Plant doesn't get me in trouble for using a little snippet of one of their songs on there. But we were sitting there. This is back in 1980, right around 1980. And uh, over, you know, over 40 years ago, and me and a couple buddies of mine had hiked down to the brink of the lower falls and just this beautiful, gorgeous, sun-kissed day, not a cloud in the sky. It was just absolutely beautiful. And we were down there on the platform. There's hardly anybody down there. We got down there early in the morning and we were just leaning over the rail and the sunbeams were shooting down through the canyon. And it's a magical spot. It it is an absolutely feel it in your heart kind of spot. My buddies, you know, not even looking at me. We're just sitting there looking out over the rail on the rivers, just a torrent of thunder right off our right shoulder. And he just kind of staring out and looking at the canyon. He just goes, I wonder how tomorrow can ever follow today. And those exact lyrics are, of course, in that song later on down in that song a little bit. And uh, it's like, man, it's because it's so cool. It's so pretty. And that's what Yellowstone Park does for you, man. That, that's in and, and me getting you to some really cool spots like that at the right time is what that guidebook's all about. So, all right, well, let's get into the, uh, the introduction to explore Yellowstone like a local for you guys that are thinking about buying a guidebook or listening to some more podcasts. So here we go. Guidebook has been called a must-have for any trip to Yellowstone Park and the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone. And this year, this is the spring of 2024, and last year in 2023, we had a number of you guys leave us reviews and everything on our Explore Yellowstone Like a Facebook group, which all of you should join, by the way, uh, and have been calling it the Bible for Yellowstone Park. And I think those accolades are are wonderful, and I really, really appreciate everything. And, uh, you know, I've worked really hard at this guidebook, and, uh, man, I mean, I'm dumping 
putting over a hundred years of my family's knowledge of being up in Yellowstone Park into that guidebook. And every year I do rewrites on the guidebook. I update, you know, restaurants and hotels and things like that. But this year I, I did a bunch of additions to the guidebook. I completely rewrote the hiking chapter for 2024 and put in hikes for some little kids and, and uh, all those hikes and where they are. And even for elderly adults and even some for people in, in that are handicapped or in a wheelchair or something, I've got all those listed for you guys. And I've got short day hikes. I got long day hikes. I got the overnight hikes. And I also did what I consider the greatest hike in all of Yellowstone Park and possibly one of the top 10 hikes on planet Earth in that hiking chapter as well. So I really worked, that is by far the biggest chapter in the guidebook. And I really worked hard at rewriting all of the stuff for 2024. And you know, the first thing I want to, get to tell you guys about the guidebook is it's super easy to use. It's really, really easy to use. And a lot of you guys have said that in your reviews of the guidebook. And I travel a lot. And uh, when I go to a new place, I want to be able to understand what I'm going to do and see and the, all the things when I get there. And, uh, you know, and a lot of guidebooks don't do that. Let me give you an example. Lisa and I, we had some people staying at our cabin right outside of Yellowstone Park over there on the Madison River. And so we decided to go up to Glacier for, for four or five days and check out Glacier. And, uh, God, Glacier's a long ways from what Yellowstone. Man, Montana's a huge state. And so we drove up there and went to Glacier for two or three days. And, uh, I bought this guidebook, supposedly the top-rated guidebook for Glacier National Park, and I mean, I read the whole thing, cover to cover, back to front, and I just, I was, I was more confused about what to go see and do in Glacier National Park after I read that guidebook than I was before. I, I literally had no clue what was going on to Glacier after I read what was supposedly the best guidebook ever written for Glacier National Park. And it was just it just had great reviews. And I just, it's like, man, I, I just, you know, and I gave it to Lisa. She read it and she goes, that thing reads like stereo instructions. It's like, somebody, I want to know what to go do when I get to Glacier National Park. And that uh, the guidebook, Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, is so easy to use. You don't have to read the whole guidebook. It's broken into day-long adventures that you choose that you want to go do. So say like you've never been to Yellowstone Park and you want to go watch geysers go off. Well, all you have to do is go read Geyser Day, Old Faithful Grand and all the rest. And it tells you what to do to have a great day watching geysers go off. It tells you where to park, where you need to go to get the predicted times for the geysers. And what you're going to go see first, second, third, how you're going to base your entire day off when Grand Geyser goes off because it only goes off every seven hours. And how it's so easy to catch Old Faithful and where the best place to watch Old Faithful go off is from to get away from all the crowds and get you about 100 feet closer to the actual cone so you're closer to the cone and away from all the people. And then see where Beehive is and you go into the inn and check out the inn and everything you need to know about having a great day to go watch geysers go off is in that one chapter. That another big thing people to come to Yellowstone Park is to go see bears and wolves. If you're if it's your guy's goal to go see bears and wolves in Yellowstone Park, then read that chapter, Bears and Wolves. It tells you where to go on the North Loop, where you're going to start seeing them in the park, where the, where they really start to appear on your way up to the North Loop and where they're going to end. We have a competition every year about uh, who sees the most bears in Yellowstone Park and they post them on that Explore Yellowstone like a local Facebook. 
Facebook group. So Lynx and I went in last year and we saw like six bears in about 10 minutes and thought that was really cool, which is it really is. I mean, I've been in the park a lot. That's a lot of bears. And then we saw eight bears a couple days later. And then lo and behold, God, about two weeks later, we had some guy post pictures on that Facebook group. He saw 10 bears. It's like, holy crap, man. I don't think I've ever seen 10 bears up there in my life. I've been up in that park 5,000 times. And I was like, man, I said, hey, we got to do a competition. The family that sees the most bears in Yellowstone Park, let's, uh, let's give them all free t-shirts at the end of the year. And then like, Two days later, we had this guy, we posted that on there. And so some guy posted all these pictures. You got them, you know, you can't just say you saw them. You got to post pictures of them. So this guy and his family sees 12 bears. Two days later, 12 bears in one day in Yellowstone. He goes, we just followed what you told us in the guidebook. Where to go? And he goes, I you know, went down the side road you guys told us told me to go on and all this stuff. And they saw 12 bears in one day, and that was the winner. And they all got free T-shirts. And we're obviously going to keep doing that year after year. So you guys post them up there. All right, let's talk about the regular podcasts. Yellowstone Park's just enormous, you guys. It's the size of Connecticut. So, you know, that's the premise of the guidebook is to break Yellowstone Park down into manageable bites that you can do in one day. Like we talked about earlier, going to the old, the geyser basins and go see Old Faithful and Grand and all the rest. So when you look at the guidebook, there's going to be, at the top of that chapter, there's going to be podcasts for you to listen to. So you're going to listen to the podcast West Entry Gate to Madison Junction, Madison Junction to Old Faithful. And in those sections of road, there's some stories I tell you about in the podcast. And the road from West Entry Gate to Madison Junction is a place, the place in Yellowstone Park to see elk bugling in, in the fall and all that stuff. So in that podcast, I put elk bugles in there at the start of that podcast. So you can hear that really cool, eerie cry. But I can't put an elk bugling, of course, in the written pages of the guidebook. So that's what that podcast allows me to do. And then in the next podcast, Madison Junction to Old Faithful, you know, it allows me to tell a really cool story about how I found the fabulous and hidden secret geyser basin I call Rabbit Creek, and which is really popular with you guys. And I tell that story in the podcast, but I don't tell it in the guidebook because it's simply too lengthy. And then once the podcast gets to the old fateful geyser basin, the podcast ends and the guidebook takes over. Then the guidebook then picks up and tells you where to park, how to go get the predicted times, how you should work the geyser basin, and things like that. So the podcasts kind of allow me to tell you some fun stories about the section of roads you're going to drive on once you choose your one-day adventure out of the guidebook. And once you get to the spot you're going to, the podcast stops and the guidebook starts. All right, let's talk about planning your Yellowstone vacation first. We've got an entire chapter about this, so I'm just going to give you a quick snippet of what that planning chapter says. You know, we go into the guidebook about when the park opens the third Friday in April, but I'm telling you guys, you want absolutely nothing to do with Yellowstone Park from the third Friday in April up till about May 15th. Nothing is open. The inn isn't open. The iconic Old Faithful Inn with the giant red doors, which everybody must see on a trip to Yellowstone Park, is closed. It opens up about May 15th. You know, and honestly, the temperatures in the first Friday in April are, are in the 
teens or 20s or 30s sometimes. I mean, I mean, it can be freezing and snowing then, and a lot of the times it is, and who wants to sit there and watch Old Faithful go off while you're just freezing your ass off, and then when it goes off because it's so cold, all you see is steam. You can't see the water shooting in the air. You know, all you're looking at is a big cloud of steam, and you kind of look over at your wife and your kids going, did it go off? Well, everybody goes, I don't know, I didn't see anything. It was just a bunch of steam in the air. So that's just an example of what's in the guidebook that kind of gives you the, the dates of when the Yellowstone Park opens and closes. But just because the gates open to Yellowstone Park doesn't mean everything else in Yellowstone Park is open. And, that, and a lot of people get confused about that. But yeah, I know the dates that everything opens up inside the park and when all the trails open up inside the park. So you're not going to Yellowstone Park and you try to go in the Old Faithful Inn and it's closed. Or you try to go to the canyon area and you can't do any of the trails in the canyon area, which is not to be missed because they're all snowed in and they're closed. So, But all those dates are in the guidebook for you guys. And so let's talk about saving time and money on your Yellowstone vacation next. You know, there's two things I hate to waste. I simply cannot stand to waste time and money. And I'm no different than you guys. When I when I go to Yellowstone, I want to stretch my vacation dollars as far as they can. So let's talk about flights first, flights into the Yellowstone area. In the guidebook, I list all the places you can fly into. You know, and your first choice is to fly into West Yellowstone. The airport's literally two miles from town. I mean, it's two and a half miles from the entry gate into Yellowstone Park. I mean, you can fly into West Yellowstone on the early flight on United, get in your rental car, drive through the gate, and be sitting at Old Faithful watching it erupt at 11 o'clock in the morning. That is taking good advantage of your time, but flying into West Yellowstone, Yellowstone can be super expensive. So I give you alternate airports, air locations you can fly into where you can get a bunch of rental cars cheaper, you can get flights cheaper, you can basically get you know your whole trip made a lot cheaper by flying within an hour or two hour drive from the town of West Yellowstone. And I tell you know tell you about lodging where you should stay. If you want a base out of West Yellowstone, Jackson Hole's simply too far south, and I give you all the reasons for that in the guidebook. And they, there's give you all these places to stay around West Yellowstone. So you can not only save money on flights. I give you lodging tips, to, and I avoid all of the big corporate hotels. I give you really neat log cabins in the trees. Now, I give you really unique places to stay where you've got like a big moose paddle and a canoe on your roof and things like that. And then I also give you great budget options. I've got a, a place listed in the guidebook where you can stay for less than 100 bucks a night. Man, I'm telling you, the only thing less than that is sleeping in your car out on the side of the highway somewhere. But yeah, there's all, all the lodging options options are unique, neat, fun places, and then I give you good value items. And a lot of the places I listed in the guidebook aren't on Expedia because they have repeat customers and they don't need it. But I list them in the guidebook for you guys so you guys can find them and know about them and get their names. So the flights and the lodging, and then and then I also kind of get into the, the how you can save money on food and dining. We we like I said at the start of this, I am no different than you guys. And I had my kids up there, and you know I'm telling you what, Dad gets super tired of pulling his wallet out three meals a day. And you're in a vacation area. There is nothing cheap in Yellowstone Park or, or West Yellowstone, and Jackson Hole is just astronomically expensive. I I've got tips on how you guys can save money feeding your family while you're on vacation to save 
save a bunch of money. So here's a quick story of a lady that uh, bought a guidebook and uh, ended up following the money saving tips in the guidebook and ended up saving a ton of money. So just like you guys can do. Here, here's one of the first stories I was going to tell you about. This is 20 spring of 2024. I guess it's 2022. This lady picked up on the podcast, and then she bought a guidebook, and they were staying down in Jackson Hole. They had never been up here before. They figured they were going to stay down in Jackson Hole, drive up into Yellowstone Park, and do all that stuff. And so she started listening to the podcast, and then she read the guidebook, and she read all the information I have in here, how to save time and money on your Yellowstone vacation. She canceled her her ex, very expensive hotel in Jackson Hole, and she, she ended up saving $2,800 on a six-night trip just by changing her lodging. And then she say, changed her flights to one of the outskirt cities that I tell you guys about where you can fly in much, much cheaper and then rent a car and drive in. You know, you got to have a car if you're flying in. It doesn't make any difference. And But they have more rental cars at these outskirt area airports than they do in West Yellowstone. Your rental car is cheaper. So they ended up saving $450 per person on their flights because, you know, everything in Jackson Hole is just stupidly expensive. It's the one of the most expensive expensive cities in America. It's just ridiculous. But all in all, she emailed me after she got back and she saved almost $5,000 on her trip. And and she goes, I just didn't know. I'd never been up there. I didn't know that you could save money flying to a different airport. I didn't know you could save that much money. And she goes, and, and plus, we, we didn't know that it was too far to drive from Jackson Hole up into the park every day because it takes almost three hours to get from Jackson Hole to Old Faithful and a little about three and a half hours to the Canyon area. Who wants to spend seven hours in their car every day driving the same road over and over and over and over again? You know, you could stay in West Yellowstone and you're hitting the junction in 15 miles. You can go wherever you want. You're just, bam, you're there. You're at Old Faithful in 35 minutes from West Yellowstone. And she didn't know that. And a lot of you guys don't know that. And another way to save time is getting out in front of the cars that go into Yellowstone Park every day, especially in the busy months of July and August. 10,000 cars a day come pouring into Yellowstone Park every day, and you simply have to get out in front of those cars. And based on what month you're visiting Yellowstone Park, I give you the times that you need to be through the entry gate so you can get out in front of all those cars. And then also, another big tip that nobody knows about and everybody goes, oh my God, what happened? There's no cell service in Yellowstone Park. Well, you might get a one or two bars at Old Faithful and one or two bars at Canyon and Mammoth, but 95% of the time when you're driving through Yellowstone Park, you got dick. I'm telling you, and it's a real change for everybody because their cell phones don't work. You got to have everything downloaded. That's why a lot of people buy a paperback copy of the guidebook. So they want a paperback copy in their hands so they can just have it right there and it tells them everything to go see and do. You know, but you've got to get out in front of those cars. You've got to get out in front of those 10,000 cars. And in the guidebook, I tell you when you need to go through the gate, depending upon when you are visiting. That way you can stay out in front of them. And in the spring months, in May and June, and even into July a little bit, there there's bison jams on the road. The bison are just use the roads because it's easier walking than through the trees. And, you know, I tell you how to get out in front of those cars because if you guys get stuck in traffic and behind a bison jam or something like that, you're going to be stuck in traffic all day. You're never going to be able to get around it. But by getting into the park early, you can get around there. And if you do encounter some bison on the road, 
In the guidebook, I tell you the National Park Service approved way to get through a bison herd without harming them or your car. But it's just inevitable that the newbies that go into the park don't know that. If you get stuck behind a guy that's got five bison walking on the road in his, you know, in front of his car, and he just won't go around them, and his kids are freaking out, and you know, trying to take selfies with these bison walking down the road, you're, you're stuck. You're done. You're stuck there all day long. You're never ever going to get around that because you're going to th that guy will have five hundred or a thousand cars stacked up behind him before you know it and you guys need to get to the spots I send you in the park at a certain time to stay in front of everybody and have a great enjoyable day so so here's your next story let me give you an example of what I'm talking about when I say that all right, so here comes your next quick story. And so I just kind of think of the things I'm going along. So, but uh, this is 2024, spring of 2024. And 2023, in about May, God, 20th, I went in the park by myself and uh, got in there early, got out in front of everybody, just had a nice, easy, smooth drive. I went over to the canyon area, kind of like the start of this podcast. I wanted to get there. I wanted to go over to Artist Point, check that out. Then I wanted to get down to the brink of the falls and watch the sunrise come up, just, just like at the start of this, this podcast. And so I get over there to Artist Point, pull up in the parking lot. There's just a handful of cars there. And it's like, God, it's about 8.15 in the morning, 8.20. Because see, at about 8.45 or 9, they'll be, the parking lot will be almost full. And there'll be busloads of tourists coming in. I mean, there'll be five or six or eight buses parked on the busing lanes on the right. But I get you and me there 30 minutes before all those people get there. So I walk up to the platform up there, and there's this girl standing there with this guy. And I'm, you know, I'm not taking any pictures or anything. I just kind of want to, you know, check out Artist Point and enjoy it with no people up there on the platform. And uh, this girl walks over there and she goes, "You're Teddy Garland, aren't you?" And I said, "Yes, yes, I am." She goes, and this guy goes, "That's the guy we've been listening to for the last two weeks." And she goes, "Yep." And she goes, "I wouldn't have believed it." And I go, what? And she goes, I've been coming to Yellowstone Park for about 10 years. She goes, I've been on this platform probably 15 times in my life. And she goes, it's just a madhouse of people up here. And I said, yeah, I heard about 30 minutes it's going to be. And she goes, I was a complete skeptic of buying your guidebook and listening to those podcasts that you could get me up on this platform and stand here and have the whole thing to ourselves. And that's what that guidebook does for you guys, man. I, you know, I practice what I preach too. When I go into the park, I'll be, I'm going to go to Artist Point. I'm going to get there early. And every time I go up there, I walk up there and there's somebody up there that has bought the guidebook. And that's basically the only people that, that are there early in the morning. And you're just a hair above. You're 20 minutes, 30 minutes above the, the throngs of people that are going to be there in just a little while because I know when they get there. I know when they're, and I know where they're going to go next. So I, I just keep you out in front of everybody as you go to all the great sites in the canyon area. I mean, a lot of my good friends in West Yellowstone are guides in the park, and I know where they're going to take their big groups. And when they're going to take their big groups, I keep you out in front of them and everybody else throughout the entire park. And you're out there and you have the whole park to yourself. It, it's, it really works, I'm telling you guys. And then they were knew they were going second and third and fourth and fifth in the canyon area. And we ended up hiking the whole canyon area all to ourselves the whole morning for two hours. We hardly saw any other people the whole time. And that's what you want. You don't want to hike with a thousand people. You want to have the whole park to yourselves. And that's what that guidebook does for you. And we get down to the brink of the lower falls, and there's nobody down there. And she goes, 
I just can't believe it. There's usually 50 or 100 people down here, and you got to just basically wait in line to get a good view over the canyon. And when I get you guys down to a spot like the brink of the Lower Falls, just like the start of this podcast, I get you there right when the sun's coming up, and the sun being shoot down that, that canyon and the river and the golden colors. Now, like I said, it's just a magical spot, but that's what the guidebook does for you guys. All right, so let's talk about my knowledge of Yellowstone Park. And, and uh, a lot of people say that uh, I'm in the top five or one of the foremost authorities on Yellowstone Park. And, uh, you know, that that's wonderful. Those are wonderful accolades. And so, you know, but the, without question, the foremost authority on Yellowstone Park is and was a guy named Lee Whittlesley, who just recently retired. I believe he retired the summer of 2023. And it's kind of interesting. I really didn't, I have read all of his books on Yellowstone Park, but I wasn't aware of a couple of really interesting facts that kind of tied me and him together. And so as I was reading this information about after he retired, you know, I'm from Oklahoma City and everybody goes, well, how can a guy from Oklahoma City know, you know, so much about Yellowstone Park? You know, he's not from Montana. He's not from Wyoming. And, you know, how can he be one of the most, you know, authoritative figures in Yellowstone Park? And he goes, well, you know, Lee Whittlesley, we grew up about five miles from each other. He's from right here in Oklahoma City. He went to Oklahoma University. I went to Oklahoma State. And I started my first job when I was seven years old in Yellowstone Park, renting out canoes over at Fishing Bridge. And Lee Whittlesley is 10 years older than I am. And he was brought to Yellowstone Park by his parents on vacation one year and just fell in love with the area. And he knew right after that first vacation that that's where he wanted to spend the rest of his life. He just fell in love with Yellowstone Park. And so when I'm seven years old, starting my first job over there, renting out canoes at Fishing Bridge, that same summer, he starts his job working down at West Thumb Geyser Basin down there, working as a trash collector. We start our first jobs in Yellowstone Park about 20 miles from each other. I mean, what are the odds? And we grew up about five miles from each other here in Oklahoma City. Foremost authority, without question, hands down, of Yellowstone Park has always been Lee Whittlesley. And he was the park historian for decades and none, 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 all these great books and everything else. And a lot of people tell me, I, you know, not many people know more about Yellowstone Park than you do. And I say, well, I know one of them for sure. Lee Whittlesley. Oklahoma City, Teddy Garland, Oklahoma City, and we both are know a lot about Yellowstone Park, obviously, so let's next cover some of my family history up there in Yellowstone Park. And kind of asking yourselves, does this guy really know what he's talking about, and you know, and all that kind of crap in that guidebook, so let me tell you a little history about uh, the Garland family up in the Yellowstone area. So the first photograph we can find was taken in 1919 of my granddad Fred standing there with my dad at about four years old and his little older brother Jack at six years of age standing right up there next to Old Faithful with it erupting behind them. I mean, it's a great picture. Back then, there weren't even any boardwalks around Old Faithful. You just walked up there on the rocks and watched the thing go off. So, yes, it's quite a bit different now than it was back then. And for some reason, my granddad, Fred, just had a, a, a love with the Yellowstone area that began basically with the full advent of the automobile in the late 
1915s and 1920s and began driving my dad and his brothers up there to Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. I mean, he was a huge fly fisherman. I guess that was the main impetus behind everything. There's a picture in the guidebook of my granddad, Fred, uh, on the, at Snake River Bend on the Snake River in front of the Tetons with a bunch of fish in a creel and everything else. And that painting was done in 1922 by a guy named Harrison Crandall, a full seven years before Grand Teton National Park even became a national park. But yeah, I mean, my family has been going up there every summer to the Yellowstone Park area. Every non-war year, we've been going up there since 1919. And possibly before that. That's just the when we can find the first picture. And I, of course, got drug up there just like my dad did and his brothers every summer. I spent every summer of my life up there for roughly... 60 plus years at this point in time. And so, you know, there's nothing else to do up there, man. So you go in Yellowstone Park and go screwing around. You screw around in all the areas outside of Yellowstone Park and go down to Grand Teton and mess around. So, you know, after you do it for 60 plus years, you kind of, and your parents have done it for 60 plus years before that, you kind of figure out what's going on. So that's how all of that information, all that family history, all of that knowledge is poured into that guidebook. You know, that's the the gist of it, I guess, is we've been going up there for this entire time, and we've got some great old pictures in the guidebook. And there's another picture taken in 1922. It's a hand-painted photograph, again, by Harrison Crandall, of my dad and them uh, camped up on Lake Solitude. If you guys don't know where Lake Solitude is, Google it up. Man, it is hard to get to Lake Solitude today. You can imagine how hard it was to get there back in 1922. It's a amazing. So for some reason, my granddad Fred just had this love of Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park and the surrounding areas, and he passed that love of the area down to on to my father and his brothers, and and they and passed it on to me, and I, now I'm passing it on to you guys. So that that's kind of our family history up there. So let's talk a little bit about the history of the guidebook, how, how the guidebook got started. Okay, so this guidebook got started over 20 years ago, and what would happen is friends of mine from Oklahoma City would be going up to stay at my cabin, and they'd ask me, hey, what do we do when we get there? Where do we go in the park? What should we do, and where should we go see this, and how do we go watch the best geysers go off, and and my little girl wants to go horseback riding. Where should we go horseback riding? And so I started typing all this stuff up, and after a while, it got pretty lengthy, you know, just... 20 or 30 typewritten pages of stuff to people to go do. And so my my wife at the time started adding some pictures in there of the certain areas they were going to go visit while they were on their, their vacation so they could kind of see what it looked like. So we started printing off this guidebook that I had just started up for friends and family. It turned out pretty good. And it just kept getting longer and bigger and longer and more pictures and all this kind of stuff. And it ended up being like, you know, 30 or 40 pages long. It's like, you know, it's a really good guidebook. And then some of my friends in town caught wind of it. And they said, hey, could we 
buy one of those guidebooks from you, and uh, that way I can give them to my parents when they come up there, and they can self-guide themselves through the park, and I don't have to screw around with them. You don't have to buy one, I'll give you one, man, you know? So that's how it all got started. And so a few years goes by, and the guidebook's just kind of trucking along, and I you know, kind of print them off every year, and people get them, and they go stay at my cabin, and giving them to friends in town, and they're giving them to their families and friends, and everybody's going in Yellowstone Park and having a ball. And so... I get, I get divorced and my new girlfriend you know, pops up, Lisa, and she's in this guidebook, Bigger than Dallas. And so she goes, we get this really bunch of crappy weather came through Oklahoma City. And I'm in the landscape. I'm a landscape architect. So we uh, had just you know nothing to do. And she goes, why don't you go up there and kind of clean that guidebook up a little bit? And I said, well, all right. You know, because she wanted me to get rid of all the, the pictures in there of me and my ex-wife. So I went up to my office and uh, just completely rewrote the entire thing from start to finish and cleaned it all up and added a bunch of new stuff in there and how to get to some really cool backcountry geyser basins and you know where to go hot potting and where to go get under a big waterfall with thermally heated water pouring all over you. I mean, I, I really worked hard at it because we were just giving the thing away. You know, it didn't make any difference. I just thought it was kind of fun. The guidebook had developed this little cult following in West Yellowstone and in Yellowstone Park. And, you know, people would talk about it every now and then. It was really, really kind of fun. And so I got done with it, and I printed it off, and I took a copy down there and showed it to Lisa. And she goes, man, that's really good. Then Lisa put in a bunch of new pictures, and... And, I mean, it looked fantastic. And then she, I mean, it's like, man, this is really good. It's the best guidebook I've ever seen for Yellowstone Park by a long shot. And she goes, you know, we ought to sell them. And I said, how are we going to sell them? She goes, do a podcast. And I go, what's a podcast? That was in about 2018. And I started doing a podcast. And I, and I kind of had the idea of breaking Yellowstone Park down into manageable bites or areas that you could do in a day because it's just so big. It would just it just overwhelms everybody. So that was the premise. I was breaking Yellowstone Park down into areas or sections that somebody could go visit in a day and do it enjoyably and not just wear themselves slick doing it because Yellowstone Park will wear your ass out if you, if you let it. But I was going to try to divvy it up to where people could do certain things during a day and have a great time doing that. And I knew all the tips about beating the crowds and all that. And I didn't all that stuff was you know secondhand to me, but it's not secondhand to the people reading the guidebook. So I put all that information in there. I went up to this print shop here in Oklahoma City, and the least amount of guidebooks they'd let me print off was twenty-five guidebooks. And I thought, oh my god, I'm just going to sell. If I sell five of these, it'll be an absolute miracle. And so that's how it all got started. And uh, after that, we sold 100 guidebooks. I thought I was just on top of the world. You know, I couldn't believe it. And everybody's having a great time. The reviews were just off the charts good. And, uh, you know, so this is the spring of 2024. And we only print off 1,000 paperback copies a year. And we sold out of those 1,000 paperback copies about August 10th of last summer. Now, we still have the electronic versions you can get any time. But if you want a paperback copy, you better get on the horn and get it ordered because we're going to sell out early. I'd done a few podcasts, and I think I said there's nobody going to listen to my podcasts because <laughs> they were really rough back then. And uh, I just said there's no way anybody's going to listen. Nobody wants to hear me blab along about fun stuff in Yellowstone Park. We should hit a million downloads on our podcast probably by the end of the 20. 20- 
24 season. We should hit that million mark. And so if you, <laughs> I, I'd have told you you're crazy four years ago if this was ever going to happen. So everybody's having a ball. It's a gas. It's a really cool guidebook, man. I got the thing screwed down tight, man. The guidebook is loaded with information and the maps you need. and Because I'm getting you guys to some out-of-the-way places, and, and you have to know where you're going. And you, I don't expect you guys to go out and start digging around, finding maps and ordering maps on Amazon. All these places I send you to are in the guidebook, whether it's hiking to a backcountry geyser basin or if it's you know mountain biking over here. I'll show you the mountain bike trail. It's all in the guidebook for you guys. So you don't, don't have to do anything. It's a complete package. And... And not only does the guidebook cover everything there is to see and do in inside Yellowstone as well as Grand Teton National Park, I also cover all the outside the park activities that you can do right outside the park boundaries, like go whitewater rafting, go ride four-wheelers on some of the best trails in North America right outside of West Yellowstone, go uh, horseback riding. Horseback riding inside the park kind of sucks, but outside the park, it's fabulous. There's some great places to go horseback riding, and I cover all the places to ride ride a bicycle in Yellowstone Park, but it's pretty limited, but right outside the park are some of the best mountain bike trails found anywhere in the country. It's, it's There's some fabulous places to go riding bikes, and I tell you where to rent the equipment and everything else. And We already discussed the hiking chapter. I rewrote the hiking chapter for inside Yellowstone as well as Grand Teton for kids and, and then day hikes, long hikes, and all that, but right outside the park... You can go hiking with your dog, and I cover all these great trails that when you get up on some of the summits, you're looking out over the Tetons and back out over the caldera of Yellowstone Park, and you have your little dog with you. So, you know, it's a total package. There's just a lot of really helpful information in that guidebook for you guys. And uh, we added this year, we added a new daily itinerary that you guys can follow. Like if you've got three days, what, what you should do in those first three days. If you've got five days, what you should do in those five days. And that kind of helps new visitors plan their their trip out better so they can know where they should go and where they shouldn't go depending on how many times you've been there you can kind of see all that in that itinerary system and we've got it all the way up for a week so if you had a full week to visit Yellowstone Park I give you a seven day itinerary picking from the one day adventures in the guidebook so you guys can cover the best of the best in Yellowstone Park based on how many days you have to spend in both parks So, and then we've got a new rating system for all the features in Yellowstone and Grand Teton, like how how cool it is to see it, like if it's not to be missed, and then how difficult it is to get to some things, because some things are difficult to get to. Like it's easy to see artists get to Artist Point. That has a a rating of five and then a difficulty of one. But if you want to get down to the brink of the falls, like we talked about at the start of this podcast, you know, that has also a rating of five. It should not be missed on any trip to Yellowstone, but you got to walk down this set of zigzag walkways getting down to the platform to get down there and it may be too much for you know say an elderly person or something like that so it has a difficulty rating of three so that rating system kind of helps you pick out things that can suit your group's abilities and things that should not be missed and also things that you should miss if it has a rating of one and a difficulty of three or four because it's hard to get to then you guys don't need to bother with it so that's how that new rating systems works and uh, also when you guys buy a guidebook 
you get access to the single largest library of videos ever compiled for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. And there's a QR code in the back of the guidebook. You simply scan that QR code, and it gives you access to this private YouTube page where I shoot videos for you guys of all the main sites in Yellowstone Park and Grand Teton and the surrounding areas so you guys can see these things, see what they actually look like as opposed to just reading about them in a guidebook and seeing a picture. You can actually see a video of all these things, again, to help you guys plan the best vacation possible to Yellowstone Park. And then we also have a really fun uh, deal for families to go to for a, a skills challenge. And there's a skills challenge of three different levels, easy, moderate, and then very difficult. And the skills challenge is just a fun way to go through the park and you find certain things. And when you get home, you send us pictures of all those things and solve some riddles that are in the back of the guidebook. And families love this thing. There's it's really popular with families, especially families with small kids on the easiest level. And we send the kids all a t-shirt when they get home and all that stuff. It has turned out to be super, super popular. I didn't know how popular it would be, but everybody seems to love it. And the last level is very difficult. Nobody seems to be able to complete the last level except me. But anybody that does not only gets a t-shirt, but they get a hundred bucks out of the deal. So... And speaking of t-shirts, we should have our online store on our website up and running here in the next few weeks. It should be up easily by the 2024 season where you guys can go on there and pick out some cool Explore Yellowstone like a local t-shirt for your kids and for you guys. We'll have some truckers hats on there and everything else. And uh, you can kind of customize what color shirt you want and everything else. So it should be pretty neat. We should have that store up and running for you guys to go pick out some neat explore Yellowstone like a local stuff and another fun thing we've got for 2024 is starting on the first of each month we are going to have a drawing for a prize or a gift certificate to a restaurant in town like the ones listed in the guidebook like Hank's Chop Shop, the Buffalo Bar, or the world famous Wild West Pizzeria and Saloon, which has some of the best pizza anywhere in the United States. And that way you can feed your family for an evening. And we're going to have uh, gift cards to go to some stores that we list in the guidebook for you guys. It's like West Park Outdoors. You're going to have a gift certificate for West Park Outdoors where you guys can go get some cool gear, some badass binoculars to take in the park and go up, hunt up bears and wolves. And and uh, and the book peddler who actually sells our guidebook for us, they're going to have a gift certificate. You can go in there get some cool gifts to take home. And there, there's some neat things we're going to do. So the first of every month, starting on February 1st, all the way to October 1st, we're going to put everybody who purchases a guidebook's name in a hat, and we're going to have a video drawing. We're going to post it on YouTube showing whose name we pull out of there, and then we'll contact the winner and get them the uh, gift certificate or prize set up to get it to them for their Yellowstone vacation. We're going to have some fun with these drawings, too. I've got some really interesting uh, ideas for uh, the drawings that uh, should should get everybody's attention. (laughs) So that should be pretty fun. Besides getting you guys to the best of the best of Yellowstone and Grand Teton have to offer and all these secret places that are known only by locals like myself, there's a lot of fun activities in the guidebook as well. So it's it's really a complete package to make you guys have a great Yellowstone Park vacation. And uh, just go to our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com. You can get a electronic copy downloaded for only 12 bucks. And uh, if you guys want one of those thousand paperback copies, you better order one. And I write a personal note to everybody that buys one and throw in a cool Yellowstone 
sticker as well. And on our website, you can go to re the review section and read reviews and see p uh, pictures that people have posted on there. And be sure to join our Explore Yellowstone Like a Local Facebook group where you can see thousands of great reviews for the guidebook as well as thousands and thousands of pictures that you guys have posted of everybody having a great time in Yellowstone Park. And just a reminder to everybody, starting in 2024 as well, we're going to start posting some shorter YouTube videos of each one of the podcasts. It'll be just a quick overview. I'm going to have a map of Yellowstone Park sitting behind me, and uh, you'll be able to I'll kind of point out where we're talking about in the park. But we're going to shoot some quick YouTube videos of this podcast, as well as all the others, as I kind of work my way through them for the 2024 season. So you guys can see those on YouTube and see the areas I'm talking about in the park and in Grand Teton and all that stuff. I think that'd be a nice addition. So we're going to do those uh, YouTube videos for each podcast, but they're going to be just kind of short and sweet. So just thought I'd throw that in here right before we finish up this podcast. All right, to bring this podcast to an end, I want to actually read a quick excerpt out of the guidebook about one of my favorite hikes that I've got listed in the guidebook. And this, this hike gets you to some absolutely fantastic spots. And it's hikes like this is why I wrote the guidebook in the first place. So, so let's hear a quick excerpt out of the guidebook. All right, this little excerpt out of the guidebook is to the Gibbon Meadows Geyser Basin, which is a, uh, a pretty tough off-trail hike to get to, but, but the payoff is worth it, you guys. So let me read a little excerpt that's in this guidebook. And you're not going to find this hike anywhere else in the world. I'm just telling you guys right now, besides this guidebook, because I bet less than 100 people have been back to this area since the inception of the park in 1872, but I'm one of those 100 people, and I write a guidebook, and I put it in there. And so this area that I'm getting you guys to, this Gibbon Meadows hike, is it's, it's a wonderful magic place. So I'm just going to jump in here real quick. All right, here I go. As you work your way up through the sparse trees, you will come to a few huge vents and gurgling pots off to your right, and then you will crest the hill and see the first of two nice big opal-colored pools that up until I found these thought only existed in Norris. This is a special area you are exploring. Look around and notice how quiet it is. Your breath is about the only thing you can hear besides the steam vents and bubbling water from the pools. There are lots of pools and vents to explore. Just find a good spot and sit down and relax and take it all in. You're the only ones back here. If there was a road back to this geyser basin, there would be tens upon thousands of people back here with you, crowding in for that perfect selfie with that opal pool in the background, but thankfully there's not. It's just you, and you put in the work to get back here, so stop and enjoy the peace and solitude that now surrounds you. On my first trip back here long ago, I sat above this geyser in the trees for nearly 30 minutes. It was snowing a bit, and the silence and beauty was just enchanting and overwhelming. It's really nice to immerse yourself in nature, to get away from all the crap in your life, just to sit down and relax, 
knowing that you're the only one here, I'm telling you, you are now exploring Yellowstone like a local. You're hiking in Yellowstone, yet you're all alone, and you're using your senses like never before. It's a truly special feeling. This is why you came here. This is what Yellowstone is all about, and it's yours and yours alone for as long as you want it. Don't be in a hurry to do anything. Just sit down and relax like never before in a spot that has remained unchanged for over 600,000 years since the park's last eruption. Isn't that just badass? I'm telling you. Yellowstone Park is my my favorite place on earth, and um, I feel honored to be able to tell you guys about some of the places I have found in that guidebook and get you guys to some of the places where you guys can feel the wonder, the true wonder of Yellowstone Park and like very few people ever will. So, all right, thanks for making it to the end of this podcast and all the rest. And you guys have a wonderful Yellowstone Park vacation. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Took my chances on a big jet plane Never let them tell you that they're all